what I want to do today is I want to combine uh, certain Ashkofa principles, especially about certain aspects of God's behavior or actions, <clears throat> and also what's happening today. And so you really have both ideas. When you look at the Torah, there are many psukim that talk about seemingly four different themes. <clears throat> the first thing is where God promises revenge on all the non on all the non-Jews, the nations of the world, because they have enormously subjected the Jews to incredible ag agony, suffering, and most of it has been anti-Semitism for no reason at all. Uh, and uh, therefore, the Bereshit says he will crush them, as we see from many of the Nevi'im. Uh, I mentioned the Shaya Novi in Pasha's uh, the Haftarah of Nitzavim, where he sees God coming, uh, all, all uh, in red. So, of course, he gets frightened, but the Bereshit says, don't be frightened. This redness that I'm coming is, uh, is the blood of Edom that I just crushed, like a winemaker crushes its grapes. <clears throat> Interestingly enough that that happened, that Pasha, or that Haftarah, is the 9-11 Haftarah. Very interesting. In any case, where Edom gets crushed <clears throat> and really severely punished. In any case, so you find that theme, where you find that the Bansham says, I will crush, destroy, really seek revenge on the Goyim. Enormously punish them for the treatment that they have done to Jews for thousands of years. That's the first thing. The second theme you find, <clears throat> where God says, I will gather the Jews no matter where they're at. In other words, the ingathering of the exiles. No matter where they are, the four corners of the earth, I will gather them. That's the second idea. The third idea, the third theme you find, where God says that all the nations of the world, that the Jews are my children, are my chosen ones, because I will dwell in their midst. Which means that the divine presence is really in the midst of Christwell which is an awesome consolation for the Jewish people. In other words, the source of the divine presence will emanate from the Jewish people, you see. And because of that, you have another theme where it says uh, that in, uh, I think it's Zechariah, where 10 goyim will come up to one Jew, hold on to the garment of a Jew, so to speak, and say, please, we want to go with you because we heard that God is with you. That, that, that the extent uh, of, what the, of, of what will happen. And what this means basically, this is the redemption. This is the geula. These types of, these stages, four stages. Uh, and that is the redemption itself. The question is, when you think about that, you know, so because of that, I want to tell you something. All those enemies of the Jews, whether they think they're enemies or not, and they're basically really motivated by an anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic stance. In many ways, I feel sorry for them because they have no concept of what's going to happen to them when the end comes, you see. <clears throat> and in a certain sense, I really feel sorry for them, even though there are many of them are evil. Just take a look in terms of what, what the world has done. Christianity, you know, then you have uh, uh, Islam, you know, then you have the UN, you have the Europeans and so on and so forth. You know, look how much anti-Semitism has been exhibited by the nations of the world. It's beyond belief. We cannot even comprehend the amount of Jews that were slaughtered for thousands of years for nothing. For absolutely nothing. We can have no comprehension of what that means. So in that sense, you know, if they were smart to go in, they would repent. 
and they would look at the Torah, what the Torah says is going to happen to them. In any case, this is all, these themes are what's called redemption themes, obviously. Now, the question is, where does all this come from? We, we notice that when God says, I will do this, you know, you, you get the feeling that it's not just because there's a program that goes on, you know, the program is tikkun, whatever, rectification and so on, you know, and therefore God says, well, based on this program, they're going to get slaughtered, you know. There's something beyond this because the language is so strong, so potent. So what goes on? That's the question. In other words, what's the force, the power of the force behind the redemption? You know, is it really following a program? Okay. Well, there's something much more. That's the question. Now, when you take a look at what's happening, it's just incredible to watch the news broadcasts every day. Actually, you can't watch the news broadcasts because it's fundamentally all fake news. You see? But if you do have, that's really what it is, all fake news. Uh, this is, you should know, this is the greatest um, uh, denigration of the news media because they have now become from journalism, they are now completely into propaganda. It, they're no longer, they are just a propaganda machine that is trying to obviously influence everybody. You know, we're no longer hearing objective news, we're hearing a personal vendetta, you know, to get Trump and to get everybody else that they don't like, was anti-establishment and so on, you know. It's a terrible commentary of what the f press has become. It's no longer the free press, you know. It's now the complete self-interested and biased press. You know, it doesn't even pay to buy a paper anymore. It's absurd. You know, it's just a waste of time. In any case, <clears throat> but when you look at what's been going on, it's, just, it's, it's incredible. It's exactly what I've been saying for what? For almost, well, certainly what I knew three years, but I've been saying for the last two years. We just take a look. Things that make no sense, you know. Um, the the uh, Secretary of State, Tillerson, was fired. But he wasn't just fired, he was degraded. You know, Trump didn't even tell him that he was firing him. He tweeted, you see. But you have any idea what, what Tillerson is not a small guy. He's the head of the, what, he was the CEO of, of uh, what do you call it, Exxon. I mean, he's, on top, he's, he's at the top of his game, as they say. You want to fire a guy, so don't tweet. Fire him. Have a meeting with him and say, listen, I thank you for your services, you're out. He fired him. And obviously it was done out of tremendous anger. Obviously, you don't, you don't do that to a guy. But he was very angry at Tillerson for different reasons. One of the reasons I heard is because he made a deal with uh, Europe to try to maintain the Iranian uh, agreement, you know, behind his back. What he called, what, you don't do that kind of thing to Trump. So obviously Trump did that out of tremendous rage, you know. And, um, but the interesting thing about it is, as far as we're concerned, I mean, Tillerson is basically, I don't know if I'd call him anti-Semitic, but he's clearly anti-Israel. It's obviously, because he recommended many things that Trump not do, and so on. So he got dumped, that's really what he did, he got dumped. Not fired, he got dumped, you know. Uh, he certainly never resigned, and so on, you know. But who did he put in? He put a guy, Michael Pompeo, right? Who's an oil of Israel. I mean, he really likes Israel. He's behind Israel. He's a real uh, radical guy. You know, he's very strong-willed and so on. But he really likes the Jews, Israel. 
You know what that means? It's unheard of now that the, the State Department, which is traditionally always anti-Semitic, is now going to be behind Israel because that's the Secretary of State. You see, the second thing which is incredible is he got rid of McMaster, who was again much too uh, you know laid back and whatever. It also wasn't a great. It wasn't really. Behind, I, don't, I don't know. I wouldn't call him an anti-Semite, but he certainly wasn't pro-Israel. He got rid of him. You see, and he put in a guy who was an Ivy Israel. John Bolton. I mean, he should have put him in years ago, but uh, you know, when he became president. These two guys, the, the most prestigious positions in terms of making policy, is the State Department and the NSA, the National uh, you know, uh, Security Administrator and so on. You know? And now you have two guys who really are behind Israel in almost every sense. Where did that come from? Right? Which I've been saying. Because the job of Trump Remember, is to do what? Is to be mahapech, to purify Edom, and to assist Israel in the Tikkun. And now, lo and behold, those are major shifts in accomplishing that. Besides that, you see Abbas, you know, and Abbas is falling. He's actually Abbas is probably dying. He's really very sick, you know. But he lambasted David Friedman, which is incredible. How do you do something like that? You need America. You know, you don't call, what did he call him, a son of a dog or something like that? I mean, excuse me. You know, you need America. You don't call the ambassador that. Obviously, he's got a couple of loose screws and so on, you know. But not only that, the beauty thing about it, he killed the old peace, the peace uh, initiative. It's over, you know. Because how do you work with a guy like that? Uh, so therefore, no matter what Trump thought, it's now on the shelf, you see. But besides that, which is even in certain sense better, now all the Arabs, the guys are all, there's a whole bunch of guys, they want to get rid of Abbas. There's a whole bunch of guys vying for his position, right? And what do you think they're going to do? They don't vote, they kill. They're going to kill each other because there's a tremendous, you know, uh, obviously, <coughs> uh, struggle to get to that position because you can make a lot of money in that position, you see, you know. But uh, so that, that's another reason why the whole uh, peace agreement is shelved. You see. And then, of course, the whole unity between Hamas and the PLO has, of course, fallen apart. So you can forget about Abbas or any of the, the, the uh, Arabs and so on with any of the peace process. And that's also the Hashgacha, what the Rabban Islam is doing for Klai Israel. Yeah? I don't know how credible it is, but it was striking to read that Saudi Arabia announced Israelis have a right to live in peace. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Yeah, you got it. Uh, Look, each thing is incredible in itself. You know what our problem is? Imagine you wake up in the morning, right? And by the time you go to sleep, 15 miracles have happened to you. Open, right? And, you know, and all of a sudden, it's 10 o'clock at night, and you want to go to sleep, and all of a sudden, you see another miracle. Uh, you know, whatever that is, right? 15 miracles in one day. Wow, right? And you see another miracle. And what's your attitude toward that miracle? Ho-hum. Because already 15 passed. You see, our problem is that's our attitude. There are so many incredible things happening that each thing is incredible. That you should have an obvious role at the head of the State Department? That's, that's unheard of. Or the NSA, you know, or that what's happening to the, uh, the Palestinian Authority. Each one is a mess. And the timing is incredible, you see. That's the problem. We're seeing so many different miracles that after a while, we don't even see them as a miracle. Well, it's just par for the cause, and that's what we see.
<coughs> then also what's happening, which is very important, you see, as I mentioned, Saudi Arabia. I mean, this guy Mohammed bin Salman, he came out with an incredible statement. You see, what was that? Well, of course, every nation is entitled to its own place. Really? Is that what, you, is that what Saudi Arabia has been saying for years? Of course not. Um, it's interesting, you know, is he actually saying it in the name of Islam? Like, what is it? What kind of statement is that? Because Islam fundamentally believes that, that the Arabs must take over the entire Middle East. You see, because once an Arab, once the Islam has... Uh, uh, has uh, dominated the country then you they they must always retain that domination dar l, l i forgot what it's called um whatever and um so it seems that he's going contrary really to islam and this is saudi arabia which is incredible you're looking at a nest nigla now i realized that yeah you know, and this was in the interview with what jeffrey goldberg or something like that yeah in atlanta down there you know and uh, he actually said that. And he said, actually, different statements where he clearly said that he's, he's on the side of Israel and so on. Now, we may say, okay, the reason for that is because of Iran. Not only Iran, but he sees Iran as enemies, the, the, you know, the, uh, also ISIS and Al-Qaeda and all these guys, you know. Fine. But it doesn't take away from the fact that he really is going to ally himself with Israel, you see. So it's already the beginning of the transition of Yishmael toward Klai Yisrael. And I've said in other shows previously that this is beginning of the tshuva of, of uh, Yishmael. That's really what it is. And again, this came out of nowhere, which is astounding. These things are unheard of. They've never happened before. Also, one of the things which is very good, which is very important, is that Israel is slowly taking out Syria. Why is that important? You see, for, for, for several reasons. The most important is credibility. You know, they all know Israel has the power to stop these guys. Syria, even Russia really, you know, and, and certainly Turkey and what he called in Iran, you know. Yeah, okay, but they can talk the talk, as they say, but can they walk the walk? You see, <clears throat> so when Israel goes in, remember the drone a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago? And now they just bombed and, uh, more and so on. Uh, they kill Iranians, they kill Russians. And they kill Syrians. So all of a sudden, all the countries around the Middle East say, hey, these guys are the new guys on the block. You know, they are walking the walk, which is very important because <coughs> now it is greater incentive for the Arabs to want to join the Israelis, which is really very good, very important because of that reason. Because now they realize that these guys are for real. You know, these guys can take on Iran and destroy it. You see, so what has become potential has now become actual. It's a very important, uh, what do you call it, uh, advancement in the idea of the tshuva of Yishmuel. You see. Also, there's uh, something else also going on, which is also very unusual. You know, as I say, you know, <clears throat> and that is what's going on in Israel. There's a tremendous attempt to dump Netanyahu. There's a tremendous attempt to do that, which is also very unusual, you see. And it's just um, whatever happens, but we know something which is very important, that as long as the era of Rav dominates Israel, there cannot be a real tshuva movement. Therefore, if a real tshuva movement starts, 
then somehow they will get rid of Netanyahu because that's what the Mansion wants you see because what will happen is Netanyahu will run again in 2019 and go on for another six years whatever the, the term of the presidency but as long as you have that <coughs> you cannot as long as you have that type of the era of Rav or that government dominating you can never have a tshuva you can't have clients who are coming back to God because these guys will always stop it at whatever level you see to get the yeshiva guys in the army and, and, and so on it can never happen so what I say is that if he is deposed in whatever way and he has no choice in the matter you see and somebody else takes his place who is religious okay that's an unbelievable indicator that we are truly in the messianic process that's very important to watch because the last as they say clipper the last block of of real ruchnius of spirituality right is the era of rav and these people are part and parcel of the era of rav then of course we see what's happening to trump on a daily basis just unbelievable you see but probably I am sure Trump is going to wake up and say wait these people are destroying my ability to operate as a president you know you know obviously if a year and a half you have found nothing with this Russian collusion nonsense right not only that even the Congress said there is nothing you see so n nobody understands why he just doesn't fire all of them but I believe he ultimately will get rid of Sessions and uh, what he called um, uh, and uh, Mueller and Rod, Rod Rosenstein because they are trying to destroy him but uh, what's worse is that the, the, everybody knows that the whole Russian collusion business was because of the uh, the document that was paid for I mean they know, why, why, why bother this is also very important if Trump truly has to be Matar Edoin if he has to purify Edoin okay then the Bansham, then then Bansham will somehow get Trump to fire all these guys, so he can truly do the job, and this is all happening today, which is incredible. Okay, um, in any case, <clears throat> so the question is, we see things moving on, which actually <clears throat> accelerate the process on a daily basis. So the question is, what does all this mean in terms of the forces behind all this? What, what is the redemption force itself? Well, we think about this way. The Bershom has, there are things there, when you look at the Bershom's actions, they line up, okay, in one of three ideas. The first idea is the program. The reason why the Bershom created the Bria. Okay, and therefore he is motivated by that. What's the program, obviously? The program is Tikkun, because the Bershom absented himself from the creation, and he wants the Jews to bring him back. And we know that they bring him back through one of three ways, through mitzvahs, commandments, tshuva, repentance, or Yisurin, which is, of course, suffering. <clears throat> and the, the purpose is for the Jews to do this, basically, most important is to do the mitzvahs. And as a result of that, what they do is they purify, it's called zikuch, the creation itself and it becomes a spiritual place this world Oilam Hazer becomes Oilam Haba becomes spiritual and of course that begins the whole process of Oilam Haba the future world we know that but that's the program it's called Tikkun and the actors in that Tikkun process are the Jews 
So therefore God is motivated. That's part of his actions, is to do the program to make sure that the tikkun happens. As such, we have certain <coughs> actions. One of them is called Hanhogas Mishpat, which I had once mentioned. Hanhogas Mishpat is the attribute or the actions that he takes for the concept of Mishpat, which is justice, which means that God sees what you do. You have free will. He sees what you do. So if you do the right thing, you are rewarded, not in a true sense, because real reward only takes place in the future world, but you are rewarded by being given greater opportunities to do mitzvahs. It's an important concept. You never get real reward. That's for later on in the future world. But you are rewarded in the sense of having a much greater opportunity to do more mitzvahs or to do greater, to earn tremendous amount of merit in terms of, in merits, to earn much more merits and so on. So that's the, 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 theoretically what you, what you get. But that's mishpat. Because if you do the right thing, that's how you're rewarded. The opportunities to, to, to uh, do greater merits, schus, merits. Um, and if you do bad, of course, then of course you are punished. But I, you, I, I'd rather use the word rehabilitated than the word punished. But in any case, that's what happens because of mishpat. Those are the actions of God that depend on justice, reward and punishment. See? Then the second actions are what? The second actions is something else. It's rachamim. Mercy. What does that mean? What is mercy? Mercy is a suspension of justice. That's really what Rahmim is. Compassion or mercy. Clemency. Which means where you say to a judge, please, you know, you know, uh, he really deserves this. And the guy says, please don't do what, I, what he deserves. That's called compassion. It's in, to abstain or to suspend what is true justice. It's called mercy. So those are the second actions of God. So God does that. Many times when a person deserves whatever, punishment, God will suspend the punishment, okay, and wait for the guy to do tshuva, repent. And what God will do, of course, is to send him different warnings, right? Different warnings, you know, alert him that uh, he could be punished. Hopefully the guy <coughs> will do tshuva. <coughs> or repent. <coughs> so that's the second actions of God. So the first, therefore, is, like I said, <coughs> the Anog of Mishpat, which is those actions that God takes for the sake of reward and punishment, justice. The second series of actions he takes because of Rachmim which is compassion, where he abstains from going forward with justice, hoping that the person will repent or whatever, and as a result of that, <coughs> uh, he won't have to initiate the punishment in any way. So that's a second aspect of the actions of God. Third aspect is chesed, is kindness. Now where does that kindness come in? That kindness comes in in the whole setup. Because if you think about it, you know, you mean, if a, a guy says, you mean, uh, imagine, you know, imagine a guy hires you to do work. And you work for two weeks, and the guy says, okay, I, wa I want to give you the paycheck for your reward. What does he give you? He gives you a hundred million dollars. 
you see? So you look at the guy, you know, you say, excuse me, right? I, I mean, I worked two weeks, fine. I mean, I really worked, it was not easy and so on and so forth. But don't you think you overpaid me? $100 million? Think about this, <clears throat> right? What God does. You do a mitzvah, and you end a lifetime, let's say you're 80 years old, and then you die, you, you know, you go to God, and God says, okay, for what you did, here's what I'm going to do. Now, okay, 80 years is 80 years, okay. Look, there are many, in the old days, there are many indentured servants or slaves that worked 80 years, and then they died. So how much did they make? You know, I mean, whatever, you know, the salary, if you, want to, if you would have given them a salary, right? So God says, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you <clears throat> one quadrillion dollars which is a number we can't even imagine, right? It's, remember, there's thousand, million, billion, right? Trillion and quadrillion, right? I'm gonna give you that for 80 years. He said, excuse me, do you know how much money that is? You couldn't spend that if you, have a, if you had an infinite amount of time. And not only will I give you that money, I'm going to give it to you eternally. What? You mean you're going to give, be giving me this one quadrillion dollar amount of dollars amount of money, you know, every month? You see, and you'll be getting that for eternity. Are you serious? And not only that, what will you be getting eternally? That kind of, you know, you will be getting a a joy that is not comprehensible for eternity. See, and you say, what do you mean? This is all for eighty years of life and doing mitzvahs? Obviously, the whole thing makes no sense, you see. So ultimately, that's the incredible chesed of God, where God will reward you infinitely more than what you've done. That's how it works. How is not, I, I, I know this is a huge topic, but just, how does Navati super, how is that salt super if it's slamish, just a drop or a drop in the bucket? That's a topic. <clears throat> but a simple answer, because <clears throat> Nam the Ksuf is not concerned how much you make. It's concerned that you make it only because you did something. You flipped the switch. You, yeah, you're the cause. Nam the Ksufa is because you're the cause. Nam the Ksuf means bed of shame. Right? I just explained, right? It means bed of shame. Uh, and that's why God sent everybody here because he could have made Oilam Habor right away. Why do you make Oilam Hazer this world to work for the future world? Because the concept of the bread of shame. Because when somebody gets something for free, right? They feel a tremendous amount of shame, which I once gave a whole shi'a on that, right? And so on. That's now the bread of shame, you know? So, the, 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 so to remove the bread of shame is you need to cause, no matter what it is. But you need to be the cause, and then you're not embarrassed or ashamed or humiliated. You see? He gives a token cause just to be outside. Correct. That's really what it is. I mean, we think somebody, you know, somebody say in Yiddish, you know, you know, it's hard to be Jewish or it's hard to keep the mitzvahs. Excuse me, do you have any idea what you get for doing this? It's beyond comprehension. You know what I'm saying? So where does all this start, really? It starts from the chesed. It starts from the attribute. It starts from the attribute of chesed. You see, like I said, you know, in other words, there are many things that God does which is not tied to your actions at all, you see. You don't really deserve it. 
and see it. But God does it anyway because God has the attribute, the midah, the characteristic of chesed. Uh, you see that? So what do we have here? We have mishpat, justice, reward and punishment. We have rachmim, where he suspends justice. Right? That's also part of his actions. Yes? And now we have chesed. The whole setup is chesed. The whole setup doesn't make sense. You see? Because the reward is infinitely beyond what the person did. And so on. So that's unbelievable chesed. <clears throat> Got that? Great. But then, there's another series <coughs> of actions, which I once mentioned. It's called Anogas Ayichud. It is the actions of God that go beyond what he has to do in terms of justice. Uh, because justice says, uh, look, you did bad, you get punished, right? <clears throat> but but there's, no real, there's, there's, there's no characteristic in terms of rehabilitation. God doesn't have to rehabilitate you. Hey, you did this, too bad. So there's a concept called a backup system or a guarantee where the correction or the tikkun of the universe, the Bria, creation, is guaranteed to happen no matter what the Jews do. <coughs> Even though they have free will, the Yichud comes in, that actions, and guarantees that the creation must be rectified, restored to its original state, which is with the presence of God. <coughs> which I once spoke about in Rosh Hashanah here. But anyway, so Yichud really is a backup system. It's a guarantee, you see. But justice doesn't demand a guarantee at all, you see. So that's clearly chesed, but it's even greater than chesed. Because chesed says if you do A, then B is infinite, right? But you still got to do A. What Yichud says, even if you don't do A, you get B. You have the infinite. But, even, but you still have to do A at a certain level. But there's a guarantee that if you don't do A in the right way, I will still make sure that there's another path, so to speak, or that in certain ways I will get you to do the infinite reward. So that's what's called a backup system. It's called a contingency plan. And that's Tanogus HaYichud, which is the actions of God insofar as He guarantees the Tikkun, or the position of the Jews in the future world. That's the reason why the Jews can never be destroyed. Because they're the only ones that can do the tikkun, you see. So what do we have? We have the actions of God, the behavior of God in terms of mishpat, justice, compassion or mercy, right? Then we have the concept of chesed. Then we have the concept of yichud. <coughs> you see? So we have four different tanhogas, actions of God, as they pertain to man. You why, see. Why now, is, yeah. Mercy different than different than Because mercy looks at justice and says, I won't give you what you deserve, which is negative. I won't give you a negative experience, which is really what you deserve. See? Okay. And that's it. I won't is but it, chesed, chesed Well well if you think about it, it is chesed injustice. Yes. But to so do mercy you lose the justice because you you're, you're saying just forget about the whole thing. No, because you still expect the guy to do chuva. It's not that I won't do it. No, God doesn't say I won't do it. Right. But I'm waiting. It's a waiting game. As to Yichud, which is... Well, said, even if you don't do it, I'll make sure that you will be in the future world because i got other ways to get, get, get you there. At least you're in. What was that? At least you're in. At least you're in. Even if you're in a hut. Correct, yeah. So Yichud, of course, is the greatest chesed. You know what I'm saying? But there's an interesting posik in the Torah. 
And that's what I want to explain. It says, the Chanoisi es asher ochon, and I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious. Verichamti, and I will be merciful, es asher arachem, unto whom I will be merciful. What does that mean? It was God is saying, I'm going to be gracious, right? To whoever, to whom I will be gracious to. It sounds like double talk. Um, but there's an, a profound understanding concept in that. What does it mean? So what we have, we have that all the ideas I've mentioned is that God either follows the program, right? Which is tikkun, rectification. Or God follows his attributes. Right? Because that's his character. Right? Because that we have in Yudgimomidus, the 13 attributes of, of uh, mercy and so on, right? Right? Those are the 13 attributes of mercy. Correct? Uh, those are the characteristics or the behavior, the midos, the attributes of God. You see. But there's something else about God which we have to realize there is something that is beyond the program and it's beyond his character. Remember that God created these characteristics. God doesn't have mercy. Mercy is his desire, but he doesn't have an emotion called mercy. We do. <clears throat> you see, God created all the characteristics itself, which he now wears. But it's not part of him. It's his will to be merciful. It's his will to be chesed, to do kindness without any, cont without any reason for it. You see, that's his rotsam. That's his will, you see. Uh, and he dons that like we put on a suit of clothing. And he acts in accordance with those, with that what's called personality structure. Let's look at it that way. So God creates a personality structure. He creates the concept called mercy, right? Or justice, or kindness, chesed, right? right? He creates that, because they don't exist as part of him, you see. He creates the concepts itself, because previous to the creation, these did not exist. That doesn't mean God is not merciful. We don't know who God is. There's no personality that God has before creation, you see. But after creation, what the Bansham did is he created, a, he created attributes and he w assumes those attributes as a personality. Uh, but the personality itself is a created concept. Most people don't realize that. They think, well, God is merciful. Yes, God always infinitely acts merciful. But mercy is not part of his attributes. With us it is. We feel merciful. Uh, you know, we feel we have emotions behind these attributes. But to him, there's no emotions there. In fact, to him, it's all created, you see. But he assumes the garb of these attributes, which he created. Very important distinction. So the 13 attributes of mercy, so to speak, are all created concepts. And God now says, I will always act to you within those concepts. Very important idea, you see. So we could say, well, God, why does he do what he does? One, well, it's part of the program. 
which is part of the purpose of creation. Or maybe it's part of his midos. That's part of his character traits, right? And that's why he does something, which is also true, <clears throat> you see. <clears throat> but there's something else, and that's revealed in those two psukim. And I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious. You see, what is that? It's not because of a program, because this is what's got to be. It's not even because I am gracious. No. Uh, it's part of the Ein Soif. What does that mean? God is an Ein Soif, so to speak. In other words, He's an infinite being. And then God can do something because that's what I want to do. It's not because that's my attribute. And it's not because it's part of the program. That's my will, you see. <coughs> and that concept is, is the greatest force in the Bria. In other words, if God wants, he can get rid of the entire creation in an instant. He can dissolve his entire personality. Forget about it. He can dissolve the program of tikkun, of reward and punishment. You see, everything, <clears throat> nothing demands or makes him do anything. You see. <clears throat> so then why does God do it? We don't know. It's important to understand that God can do something not because of a program and not because it's his midah. It has nothing to do with that. You see, it's because that's what he wants to do. And therefore, he could suspend or remove anything. You see. You see that, and that's what V'chanoi see. And I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious, which means that, hey, I'm not gracious to, to my, in other words, I'm gracious, it doesn't say I'm gracious to one who deserves grace. You know what I'm saying? Because he's, he's, it's part of the program. Or I will be gracious in somebody who, 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 to whomever I will be gracious, right? Because it's my attribute of Chanoisi. You know, sometimes God says that, you know? But there's a time when he says, I'm gracious because that's it. I just decide I want to be gracious. I, the man, doesn't deserve it. It has nothing to do with the Bria. It has nothing to do with anything that we are massing, that we comprehend. That is the incredible attribute of God that is revealed. That God can do whatever He wants, whenever He wants, wherever He wants, and He can suspend, nullify, cancel everything. Why does He do it? Unknown, you see. That's a very important idea. Very, you see. If somebody wants God to do something and he knows, hey, he didn't do any mitzvahs, right? He has no mitzvahs, he didn't do anything, he doesn't deserve nothing, nada, zilch, zero, right? There's always something left, you see. Don't do it because of the program, because I'm not reading the program. You know, don't do it because that's who you are. You're me. No, no, no. Do it because of an insight. Just that's what you want to do, and therefore no program attribute stands in your way. You see, that's the greatest force in the universe, where God says, "I want to do this." You see, it's a very important concept, and in tefillah it's very important where you can ask God to do that. You can say to the Bersham, you know, there is absolutely no reason why you should do this. You see, I'm asking you to do this because of you, you're an Ein Soif. It's called the Rotzen Elyon. 
it emanates from be, f far beyond <coughs> what's called keser, which is sovereignty. It emanates in, in terms of the fact that he is an incomprehensible, infinite being that is not bound to anything that he created. It's a powerful place for tefillah, and God may do it just because you asked, even though it may violate every aspect of the Bria. It may violate where you don't deserve the mercy, you don't deserve anything. He will do it, <clears throat> you see. Because you ask and do it, and you, you also see that, and that's what the Vichanoisi, and I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious. You see, it, it, in other words, I will be gracious, not because of any reason, it's just, he's, I want to be gracious to him, that's it. That concept of the Ratzonah Elyoim, right, is only because he is God and he can do whatever he wants. And one of the places you see that is by, uh, by where it says, Ve'ein miyodi in hazinu. There's certain incredible statements that God says about himself. You know, I kill. I mean, that's it. You know, God is very blunt. God is a highly blunt, you know. He says, uh, you know, I need mamus. Guess what? I kill. You know, it doesn't, there's no apology here. Oh, I'm so sorry, you know. There's no politically correct statement that God has to make. Well, I kill because, you know, it's, uh, you know, maybe. No, 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 no. I kill. I cure. You see? But God says something which is an incredible statement in, in that whole list. If you, if you really want to get a, a feel of the nature of this being, the power of this being, just take a look at the end of Hazinu. But one thing God says is that, And from my hand there is no rescuer. You know, if I decide to kill you, there ain't anywhere you're going to go. There's nobody that can rescue you. Nothing. In other words, There is nothing that can oppose God. Now what's important is this. It's not only a person can oppose God, you know, or some army, you know, or some Martians, uh, you know, whatever they got out there, right? It's none of that stuff. What it is when it says, you see, there's no rescue. It means even the program can't save you. Even the attributes, my meters can't save you. It's far more than a living being, whatever, a malach, anything like that, right? An angel and so on, right? It's, in other words, there is nothing. If I want to get you, you're finished. And there's nothing in all existence that can save you, including my programs, my attributes. You see? Nothing. That is a, what's called an absolute power. And that idea is a very important idea that there are times when God does what he does not because of anything, no reason that we understand. You see, the question is how do you turn God on that way? How do you get him to do that? Because like I say, that you are not subject to anything. You know, and I believe the way to do that is tefillah. It's just by simply recognizing that and say, listen, you can do, you are omnipotent. You can do anything you want, right? Number one. Number two, you're the only thing, you're the only one that does anything. You see, it's not that you can do whatever you want. Nobody does anything at all. Malachim, armies, nothing. So therefore, you can do whatever you want, A. B, you're the only one that does anything. There is nothing else. Right? And so on, you know. 
And then, of course, you would ask the Barsham based on that, right? Is based on who you are, you know, the Ratzon Elyon based on the Ain't Soif. Do it because you can do whatever you want. It may work. And it's a very powerful tefillah. Where do you see that? It's interesting where you can see those ideas. Uh, one of the greatest places you can see it is by Goyim. It's interesting. They hit it. These guys hopped. They understood this concept. You remember when Yoyna was running away? Remember Yoyna, jo Jonah the prophet? Right? Because God said, you have to, uh, you know, Mesnabe, uh, prophet, uh, what he prophesies, and so on and so forth, right? And then the, the, there was an enormous storm, and the ship was about to sink, right? So these sailors were beyond, they were beyond, they were, uh, you know, they were just going crazy, you know, because all of them were just drowning in the sea. <coughs> so they said something, which is an incredible understanding of God. They said, Mashechofatsta Osiso. What you want to do, you can do. It's an incredible understanding. You know, the only thing that restricts you is because you don't want to do it. There is nothing that can restrict you. They didn't say, God, we don't deserve to die because what do you want from us? We didn't know Yoyna is, <laughs> Yoyna is trying to uh, skip his job. We didn't know this. You know, they didn't say that. It's interesting. You know, they, they, they didn't say because you're merciful and please have a heart. You know, think of us in good terms, you know, you know, uh, or whatever, and so on. You know, we'll give charity to you. Nothing. They said simply, what you want to do, you do. In other words, there is no restriction whatsoever on your actions. That is an incredible, you know, in, 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 in other words, neither your, whatever your program is or your attributes, nothing. So please save us. And they were saved, you know. Which is interesting that Goyim understood that. They reached into the upper sphere of God himself. The only thing that stops you from doing anything because you don't want to do it. That's it. You see? You also find, which is incredible, Medrash, is you find the, uh, you, know, the land, you know what it used to be, you know? The Jews in the desert were decreed to die or anybody above the age of 20 had to die because of the sin of the golden calf. The Chet right? So what they used to do is dig a grave, and everybody used to lie in their grave, right? And whoever got up at the 15th of Av, uh, uh, he knew he was safe for that year. Because apparently that's basically the only time they died. Okay? So he was safe for a year. So on the 9th Tishabov, 9th of Av, they would dig the grave, and everybody would lie in their grave. And obviously there's a certain segment of the population that didn't get up. Okay. So imagine these happened all 40 years. But in the 40th year, whoever was left, you divide 40 into the, you know, two and a half million people, whatever. No, actually, whoever's over the age, <coughs> one, right? So let's assume there was like 50,000 people left, right? So they knew this is the 40th year. It's over. That's it. Because this is the 40th year. They were over the age of 20 at the time of the, of the uh, Miraglam, the spies, right? And that's it. You see? What happened to those 50,000 people? Nobody died. They all got up. They lay down and they all got up. What? What happened? I mean, you talk about a zero, a decree from God. Ain, remember, ain miyodi matzal. There's no, nobody can save you. You see? So why did they get up? Why? 
<clears throat> because what they realized, you see, like every year when they prayed, please, you know, ah, I don't know if it's going to be me this year. You know, you know, because, you know, maybe it's the other guy and so on, you know. So they never really prayed with incredible, intense concentration. Because it, it could be the other guy, you know. But this year, which was the 40th year, hey, it's going to be you. Right? And that's the end of it. So when they prayed, they had a kavana. And what they said was, listen, you know, you can do whatever you want. Which means, even to break your xera. Remember, nobody can rescue, right? Which means neither my program is going to rescue you, my Rachmanis is going to rescue you, right? Or my attributes. It's over with, you see? So what they did is they said, they prayed and said, listen, do it because that's who you are, you see? And nothing can kill you. You can, you can put away or nullify any reason, period. You see, no matter how attached you are, and it worked. God did it. <clears throat> so what God did is because of the power of their tefillah, because they asked him, do it because you are God and there is nothing that stands in your way. You see? And it worked. They were able to overcome an incredible xera. I mean, a xera that all the Jews die was, was basically, uh, uh, it, it, it could never be erased. You see? So that's a second, that, that, that's an incredible display that God can overturn anything even if it doesn't comply with his program or his attributes, you see. And I believe the th a third example is, is Moshe Rabbeinu. You see, God said, you can't go into Israel. Okay, because you, you didn't listen to me, you hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock and so on. Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu ultimately was mispalel that God should avert he, to, to change the decree, you see? And that's probably what he was doing, you see? Look, according to justice, I'm out. I don't care who I am, Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know? I'm out, you can't, and, and so on and so forth, you know? So he was mispalvo, eschanon el Hashem, right? Chain, the tchina was, v'chanoisi ochem, be gracious to, I be gracious, even though there's this incredible decree, Please, it didn't work, obviously. It didn't work. But it did work in a certain fashion. Because I believe that Moshe Rabbeinu was not supposed to not only not go into Israel, but even see Israel, you see? And I believe he was poil that. Poil that means he accomplished at least that. Okay, you know, in other words, God said, it was, you appeal to me as the Boer Oilam, not even as the Boer Oilam, as the Ein Soif. Forget about appealing to me as the creator of the world. You appeal to me as the absolute existent being. You see? So you know what I'm going to do? I know you love Israel and so on and so forth. I will avert that part of the decree where you can actually see Israel. And he did. He showed him the entire land. You see? So at least Moshe Rabbeinu could have some type of an experience seeing Eretz Israel. Oh, you see, all of what I've said the different reasons for the actions of God. The greatest one of all is God does whatever He wants. He is not restricted or bound by any program, not even by His Yud Gimumidis, 13 attributes of justice. <coughs> that is behind the redemption. 
that is what is behind redemption. It's not only that there's a program of tikkun, you know what I'm saying? There's a program of rectification to restore the Bria. Oh, you see, and it's not only because God says, it's not even because of chesed, because chesed is an attribute. It's simply because God says, I am God. And he said, Ani Hashem, I speak, you know? means I am God and this is what I want to happen. You see, I want the Jews, not because of anything, you see? I want the Jews to be in Israel, to the Mashiach, right? And to experience an incredible time. And we, we don't even comprehend what that time is, really, you know? And ultimately, this force, which is the greatest force of in existence, where God says, I just want to do it. Not because of anything, you see? That is the force of the redemption. And that's what makes sure that Klein Israel will survive, you see. And all these people that want to destroy the Jewish people, you know, will be destroyed. Destroyed, annihilated, punished. You pick the game. That's what's going to happen to them. Because what they are doing is they're not fighting against the program only. They're not fighting against his attributes. They are fighting the rotsen of an insoif. Because that's what he wants, you see. And when you fight with that, they can't even appeal to the program. You know, and say, wait a minute, it's part of the program that I'm out? You know, they cannot even appeal to his mercy. What are they going to appeal to, you see? Ultimately speaking, they cannot, they can actually, if, if they were smart, what they would do is do tshuva and appeal to the einsoif, the rotsen elyoin, which is the, 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 the rationale of God in as far as that he is God, not because of anything else, but they won't do that, believe me. You see, uh, and that's what's behind, and that's what you see happening. <clears throat> you know, all these people are against Trump, they're trying to destroy him. It's beyond belief. But nothing can succeed, nothing. Who are these people really? They're nobodies, really, you know? If God wanted, they would, they would be annihilated in an instant, a nanosecond of time. Uh, they have no idea of how, how, how insignificant they are, all these guys. They have no concept of how insignificant they are and how evil they are, you see. But it, it's not going to help because they are combating. They're not even combating a program, you see. Or an Yichud, you see. <coughs> they are combating a force that emanates from God because He is God. So how in the world can it succeed? It won't. So all of this ultimately will disappear. He will be able to run the country to improve the status of America and already everybody's frightened. He's already frightening everybody. He's, he really is an incredible person. They don't realize who this guy is, <clears throat> you know. He has Iran frightened because if he does what he says, he's not going to renew the agreement, okay, and he's going to put sanctions, already the Iran is collapsing. You know, their coinage, their currency, the real, used to be worth 42,000 real <coughs> to a dollar. Doesn't take much to be a millionaire in that case, does it, you know? All you need is a hundred bucks. <laughs> and you're a, you're a millionaire in reals, you know? But it went from 42,000 to 62,000. It lost half its value. And, that, they, and he hasn't even put any sanctions on it, you see. <clears throat> and they're dead. They're finished, you know? And they're trembling. And what the beauty is, they, they realize that Trump means what he says. 
I mean, that's why he's frightening North Korea. And that's why China's frightened, you see. And that's why China, all of a sudden, what's his name, Jinping, whatever the guy's name is, and so on, you know? All of a sudden, he's backing off. You don't want to take on Trump. You know, it's one thing, you take on Obama, because you know the guy's a fraud. He's a liar, he's a fraud, he's a, he's a timid weakling. That's what he is, you know? Uh, he's a wimp, <clears throat> so why not? But Trump has now created a personality that he's gonna do what he says. So, either you live what he says, or you back off. That's why even the great empire called China is gonna back off. Because Trump, if he really wants to, I believe can destroy China. I don't care how, can, you know, he can shut them out of the banking system. He can do many things that will really can destroy China. Not only that, but uh, I think 40 or 50%, whatever the, the statistics are, of the consumers of China is America, you see? So if nobody's gonna buy Chinese goods, they themselves will go bankrupt. You can't start up with America, not a guy like Trump. Uh, and they're all watching. You see, all the countries are watching, they're frightened. Even Putin is frightened. You know, you can't stay with Putin. All Trump has to do is increase the sanctions against Russia, and Russia will collapse with all its missiles. You know, you don't realize the power of the, uh, the, the economic engine of what America really is. It's an awesome engine. You see, and God wants to give that power to Trump. Why? Because then Trump becomes an incredible figure. And the essential idea is that he is, well, of course, on May 14th, I think it is, he's going to move the embassy. Where? To Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the capital. Move the embassy. In other words, it's like big brother, so to speak. You know, that once, that once when the world trembles at America and Trump, then whoever he regards as important will go up in the eyes of the world. And since his job is to help Israel do the tikkun, and he becomes very powerful, his becoming powerful, you should know, is part of the program. Then Israel will rise among the nations, not only because they have incredible amount of resources, and they are now world leaders in many ways, you know, but America will enable Israel to rise, and Trump, of course, will block the UN, which I've been saying more than two years already. That's his whole, one of his purposes. Because I hold that the UN is really going mogoig and so on. The 70 nations. But he's blocking them. He's blocking Europe and so on. And even the, uh, what's happening now, Yishmael is doing tshuva. I mean, what we are watching is unheard of in American politics. It has never happened before that one man is taking on the entire establishment. You see. And he's going to get rid of these guys who are trying to overthrow him and so on. See, because Trump in the end doesn't care about anybody really. You know, basically cares about doing what he thinks is right, which is a big, uh, to his credit, is a very valuable thing. People don't understand who Trump is. They don't, many people don't want to understand who Trump is. They're too busy being afraid that he's going to overthrow the establishment. But Trump is a guy you should know. He's not an ordinary guy, or else God would never have picked him. You see, he's a guy that's defiant. He's a guy that knows what's right. He's not a tzaddik, don't get me wrong. But he's a guy who knows what's right, and he's willing to do anything. He will do what he thinks is right. Fire a guy like Tillerson. You know what is the fire a guy like Tillerson? With a tweet. It's unbelievable. Nobody does that. Then he fired McMaster. He fired everybody. There are very few people left in the administration. Like, you don't find this. They say five more people in the history than in the history of the United States than any administration <coughs> after a year. 
What does that tell you? Because that's what he is, which is very important, you know. He does what he thinks and he couldn't care less. Remember, he's a billionaire. He doesn't need anybody's money. He had an incredible lifestyle before he ever became president. And, the, you know, and even if he wasn't president, he'd just go back to his regular lifestyle, which is an incredible lifestyle, you know. He doesn't need any of this. That's why God gave him the billions. He himself doesn't realize that. It's to make sure that he's impervious to anybody's threat in terms of income and so on, you know. So this is what we're going to see, that all of this will go away and he's going to America, make America tremendously great. And the main thing, of course, is that he's going to enable Israel to rise among the entire world, which they already have, by the way. How is it possible that a nation that has, what, 8 million people? is like every day in the newspapers. It's like, like everybody's heard of Israel. Who hasn't? You know, if you go to Africa and you go to the Zulu land, I'm sure they heard about Israel also, you know, <clears throat> which of course is true. I will tell you a story. It was an Israeli, which I once read, incredible story, you know, just shows you how far Israel has gone, you know, where there was an Israeli, you know, after the army, they all go to Thailand, you know, they go to the Middle East, not the Middle East, they go to Asia, you know. This guy said, what do I have to go there for? I'm going to go to Africa, you know? So what he did is he flew to an African city, right? I don't know which one. He rented a car. He figured he's going to travel through Africa, you know? So he leaves the city, and about 40 miles away from the city is in the middle of bushland, which is fundamentally in the middle of nowhere, right? And he sees a kid on the road. So he stops. <coughs> he stops. He figured a kid, he's so, he figured I'll give a candy to the kid, you know? So he stops his car or his Jeep, whatever he had, right? He gives a, ca a candy to the kid. Uh, you know, the, the kid refuses. The kid runs away. Next minute, he's surrounded by natives with spears. And they tell him, get out of the car. Get out of the car. He takes a look. He's in the middle of nowhere. If they killed him, what recourse does he have? You know, nobody will ever know who he was. And, uh, that he's dead somewhere in the middle of Africa. They, you know... So he gets out of the car, right? And they take him and they throw him on the ground and they tie his hands. You see? And all of a sudden, one of them, in English, he knew English, you know? Probably broken English. So he said to him, you know, where are you from? And he figured, he, it's curtains. It's over with him, right? Tied his hands, and they all got spears. I mean, forget, it's <coughs> over with, right? So uh, he didn't know what to do. Should I say I'm from Israel? Because he was an Israeli. Because who knows? They're going to kill him? Who knows? She says, listen, what's the difference anyway? You know? Um, what's the difference anyway? She says, I I'm from Israel. That's what he tells this whole group of Africans with spears. And he got his hands tied behind his back. So all of a sudden, they pull back. And they say, you holy nation. You holy nation. And a guy comes over and, and cuts his bands. And they all disappear. I mean, it's the middle of Africa, you know? It's astounding, you know? So the guy says to himself, wait a minute, you know, they know I'm a holy nation, and this guy was, he's uh, irreligious. You know, what is this, what's this holy nation all about? You know, anything about it. It's a true story, by the way. It was written by, I read it, Nachman Seltzer. He brought it down. It's a true story, you know? So the guy says, what is this business holy nation? So he says, no, I gotta check this out. So he goes back to Israel, and he checks it out, you know, and so on and so forth. And because of what happened, he joined the yeshiva, and today he sits and learns his big time with Chochem today. Believe this? But I'm trying to, it, 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 several ideas which comes out of this. Could you imagine the reward that these African blacks get? 
because they are responsible for his learning Torah. They don't even know. They just got Olam Haba. You see? So that's one idea. Second idea is, how in the world do these guys know about Israel? Not only know about Israel, holy nation, what do they know? But it just shows you the rise of the, the reputation and the consciousness that people everywhere know about Israel, which is astounding, you see. So what you're witnessing is the rise of Jews, Israel, especially Jews, among the nations of the world. Everybody now knows about Jews, about Israel, the Bible, and so on. Because we are really coming to the, really coming in, in ultimately at the end of time, and so on. And that's why it's a matter of time, but all this will come to pass shortly, really, you know. And uh, this is the idea. So what, what the main idea is that all this is coming from a place which is beyond the program, beyond God's Midas, ultimately, because these are all created entities. It's coming from the, the being called God, who is beyond existence itself. And therefore, it's got to happen. There is no force in the universe that can obstruct us. Remember, if I want to kill you, there is no rescuer. Even my, not only a, a being, angel, but remember, even my program cannot rescue you, and my attributes cannot rescue you. You see, that's who I am. And that's where the force of the redemption comes from. Okay, that's it. So I've combined Hashkafa with uh, with uh, uh, with current events. Yes. Do you think a lot of these Nisim are geopolitical? A lot of who? Nisim that you talk about are geopolitical. A geopolitical. Geopolitical. World politics. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Do you think before Shaf will start seeing Nisim that are more that are different in nature, meaning more? Because a lot of people are not geopolitically minded. Yeah, the Mashiach, what he does is he brings in spirituality, Ruchnias. But this comes first. The status of Jews, Israel among the nations has to change. But remember, I told you a long time ago that Esav or Trump is, in, is Esav, Esav Edom that must do tshuva. Remember, there's a whole bunch of, you know, that. And that's really what it's all about. The return of Edom to assisting Rav Ya'avoid, not Rav Ya'avoid, where Asa will assist the Jews and not obstruct uh, the Jews. The pick up on this. They, need, they need something more obvious. So are those type of things going to Yeah, they are happening. I mean, but only politically. Yeah. Well, no, that's later. That, that's what the entrance, that's much later. That's what the entrance of the Mashiach himself. Yeah, right now this is like the... It's like, yeah, yeah, so. that are huge that no one's been able to accomplish. In my time, Red China was this big, scary thing in the back of the dark woods. North Korea. He's made the leaders almost like friendly uh, cartoon characters, almost. He's taken the, the fear out of, uh, he has a war with the president of China. Like a regular guy, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but that's the portrayal. He's brought them much close to us. Yeah, the truth is, which is incredible, he's, he's done tremendous foreign affairs uh, successes. It's unbelievable. 
I mean, he's got he's got uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Kim Jong Un running be running with his tail between his legs, right? Yeah, it's incredible what he's done. Nobody did that, and now he's got Jin Jinping, uh, whatever the guy's name is. You know, no, that's an incredible success to get China to back off. You know. What he's doing, and then he, you know, the whole Asia now is with him. He, he, his foreign, uh, what do you call it, foreign affairs success is unbelievable. Much greater than anybody before him, you see? And then his ability to stand up to Iran, you know, or to Hamas, <coughs> or any of these people. Now he stands up to the UN. He comes to jump in the lake. He, he, defies, he defies the nations of the world. All, all 193 nations of the UN, he stands up there and defies them. With Nikki Haley, who's an incredible person. I mean, she's somebody I would love to meet. What a, what a girl. With Putin, he's already had disagreements. <clears throat> I believe they still have to report. Putin is an interesting guy. He's a really, he, I, he's a conflicted guy. He really is. Putin is, he really likes Jews. I, I gave a whole shit on Putin, you know. But he hasn't come to terms yet. The problem with Putin, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's power hungry. Uh, they're all are power hungry. The problem with Putin is that he, he's power hungry for Russia. He needs a port to the Mediterranean, and that's really one. And, and, and also, it's good to feel like you're at the top of the game in the, in the Middle East and so on, you know. But Putin really likes the Jews. That's why, at a certain level, he allows the Jews to go bomb Syria. But he's conflicted because he has his own self-interest. At the same time, he does like Jews. He really does. I mean, it sounds fair. You know, he's not at all like the previous Russian leaders and so on, you know. But he's conflicted because his aspirations are for Russia, because he's the president, just one, by the way, another six years, you know. And that's why he's conflicted. But he's, Putin is not an anti-Semite. But someday, Putin will wake up. Because why is he going to wake up? Because he's going to realize that Iran will dump him. You know, all these guys, they're only using Putin. But once these guys have the chance, they will dump Putin. So, and what is he going to do? Iran wants to take over Syria, you see. Eventually, Iran will somehow prevent Russia from really getting in. He just has to realize that. Putin's best interest should be with the U.S. Because the U.S. is the greatest nation in the world. <coughs> And the truth is, if Putin ever joined the United States, you know, in a, in a good way, that uh, alliance would be incredible. And that's what Trump sees. Because Russia is a very powerful country. And he, what he wants to do really, first of all, uh, uh, Trump anyway admires Putin. Because it's similar characters. You know, uh, you know this, this tremendous leadership ability, very strong, opinionated people, and so on, you know. But together, Russia and Putin together, because Putin is an absolute dictator. And, uh, and so Trump admires Putin as a person, and he also admires Putin's position. That if Russia, because you think about it, if Russia and the U.S. were ever together as an alliance in the United Nations, they could slaughter the United Nations. It would be, it would be incredible, you see? And that alliance would be really, like I say, just incredible. I believe someday it will happen, that Putin will turn around, realize it's a mistake, to back Syria and to join with Trump. And I think that, uh, uh, but, but Trump at the same time is going to uh, stand up to Putin. He's not gonna take anything from Russia. Trump doesn't take anything from anybody, which is the interesting thing. And therefore, <coughs> everybody knows. You wanna stand up to Trump, fine. But he's gonna do what he says. You gotta take him for real. 
You see? So you got a choice. He will never back off. You see? And the Rabbanishlam, God has given that ability to do. You see? So eventually, uh, my feeling is that he and Putin will become an alliance, which is, that if you're talking about a miracle, that's the greatest miracle of all, you know? But uh, I believe it will happen, so, you know? And, uh, and if they're both together, and like I say, Putin anyway likes Jews. Yeah, he really does. He likes them because of the history of Putin. The Jews were very good to him, and so on, you know? And he's a man that remembers these kind of things, you know? So ultimately, it's just that he's got a self-interest, but if that ever goes away, and Putin and Trump really ally themselves, you, you're going to have it. And both of them will be behind Israel, you know? We have, let me tell you something, we have seen, we have seen nothing yet about what's about to happen. This is like kindergarten in terms of really what's about, what's down the road, in terms of uh, to allow the Jewish people to really grow and spirituality and so on, you know? It's a, uh, this is the beginning of the, of the whole show, you know? It's called the overture to the concert. Yeah? What's your thought on, the, on uh, Trump announcing he wants to pull out of Syria shortly followed by these uh, poison attacks? Was the CIA? They say Assad aligns himself with the minority, the Shia, <coughs> when he killed his own people, when the Sunni are trying to get after him. Um, as though they well, he's trying to kill the rebels. Right, those are the rebels that he, uh, you know. Yeah, but how do you use chemical? They have to do destroy him. Of course he did it. Though? Of course he did it. Yeah. He's like, like Trump was right. He's an animal. Of course. Well, how many how many Syrians did he kill? A million, uh, what is it? A million Syrians ran away. You ever hear anything like that? What gives him the right to rule Syria if they want him out? If a million people ran, you know, they they want him out. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's so anti-democratic. What gives him the right? And he killed everybody. How many people died because of him? Did you see any pictures about Syria? You know? It looks like, uh, you know, it's like, it's like what they call uh, after the war, um, Dresden. After the, after the, <laughs> looks like Dresden after they carpet bombed Dresden. You can't believe what these buildings look like. You know? They're all shells. How can anybody live in them? He has destroyed Syria. Syria is a destroyed state. And it will never, it will take a hundred years, if ever, for Syria to come back to its own, you see. It's over with. Of course it's not, uh, it's not uh, the Bershom, that's the Oynish, that's the punishment on Syria, you know. God is taking out each Arab nation for what they did, you see, and th this is the Oynish. That's the, it's not the Arab Spring, it's the Arab slaughter, Arab revenge, you know, God is doing that for Israel. But anyway... That, that's the concept of Putin, you know. Any other questions? That's it. Thank you so much. Okay, so I thought I would combine two things today and show you what's really happening and the power behind what's happening and so on.